Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Mark Baylog. Mark is a managing partner and associate at Baylog and Associates. It's a CPA, CPA firm that caters to businesses and high-income individuals with niche specialties in law enforcement accounting, matrimonial accounting, and our favorite, of course, accounting for people working in the dental healthcare industry. Mark, welcome to the show. Ross, thank you for having me. Sure. So let's jump right in. So cops, dentists, and divorcees, be honest, how often do these three overlap? Well, the matrimonial area overlaps with anybody and everybody. I mean, you know, 50% of the population gets divorced first time on average. And I think that would be more if people weren't afraid to get divorced for various reasons. Yeah, marriage takes work and, uh, you know, not everyone wants to work to keep it going. And obviously there's other challenges as well. You're absolutely correct. It takes a lot of work. And guess what? As a business owner, if you don't like your client, you could fire your clients very easy. Unlike a marriage, you want to work on it, especially um, if they're kids. Well, I've actually, in my experience working with clients, I would say many times divorce is worse than bankruptcy. You're right. It's the most devastating emotionally and financially. Yeah, that's um, it's tough. So for all the listeners out there, make sure you pick a good one. And uh, make sure you work hard to keep it uh, keep it together. I'd so, like to say measure twice, cut once. <laughs> there you go. So you're smart. You've got a niche. You're not a generalist. That's fantastic. So of your three niche specialties, police, dentists, and divorcees, what do you which do you see the most often, and why do you think that is? I see the most often is the dental area, from residency to succession planning. And then the matrimonial, that's the most. And I've sort of parlayed into, I deal with uh, secret service agents, former secret service agents and current secret service agents that sort of fell on my lap. But uh, the predominant is the dental and the matrimonial area. Okay. So of your clients who are dentists, what do they most often need financial help with? And like, obviously everyone needs tax help. But you're very unique in that regard in that you're not what I call a history reporter. And I think you would agree with that statement with what most CPAs do. So what do you see most dentists need financial help with and what advice do you most often give them? That's a great question. And and this not only goes to a, a, a practice owner, it goes for any business owner. I like to say financial literacy. Right. What do I mean by that? I like to say the practice of dentistry versus the business of dentistry are two different uh, animals, so to speak. And may I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you know what the difference between the practice of dentistry versus the business of dentistry is? Well, the, the business of dentistry is running the practice. The practice of dentistry is the actual technical dental work. You got it. And, and the reality is most of my dental clients, I would say about 95 to 98% of, the, of my dental clients have never taken a finance managerial or accounting course and the reality is about 85 to 90% of my dental clients 
coming out of residency eventually within the first five years to either start their practice from scratch, buy into a practice, an existing practice where the practitioner is looking to get out for various reasons, age, et cetera, and uh, even going into a partnership or a shareholder agreement, depending on the business entity, that's really the biggest areas, and they don't know how to run a practice. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I contend that um, in dental school, you learn nothing about business. You learn nothing about protecting your assets. You learn nothing about cash flow management. And I have clients who are trying to get out of dentistry because they hate managing employees because they were never taught that. They never learned that. It's not a skill set they have. And it, it's interesting. I've seen dentists who make a good living, you know, $250,000 a year, but it's really just a job they own with owning their own practice. And I've seen dentists who are business owners, they just happen to be dentists and they make well over seven figures. And so it's really interesting seeing these dentists come from all different walks of life and their skills kind of come to the surface when they're running their practice. And it's really interesting to see it. Is that a familiar, uh, do you see that as well? Absolutely. And you, you hit the head on the nail. What I mean by that is, you know, you said you see a dentist making a nice living 250, we'll say 250 to 300. And I call that the clinician only. Okay. They come out of school and residency and, you know, the practice uh, dentistry is you come out of school or residency and you, you provide your clinical skills to provide excellent dental care. Whereas the business of dentistry is the practice of dentistry plus monetizing those clinical skills and or your practice with the least effort to maximize your profit. And there's a big dichotomy. And the most important thing I find with my clientele is my dental Rolodex is surrounding yourself with the right professional team, number one, and more importantly, listening to your professional team, okay? If, you if you're going to do something, speak to your team before you do it instead of, I call that being proactive versus reactive instead of saying, you know what, I just did this transaction. Guess what? You can't unwind the income tax ramifications or the financial planning ramifications, et cetera, after the fact. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So let's step back for a second. You're a CPA. Uh, you're the guy people go to for their taxes to make sure that they don't um, owe the government too much money or they pay the government the right amount of money. But as I mentioned earlier, you're not a history reporter. You're, you're proactive in your tax planning. Talk a little bit about what, what you feel like makes you different from the tr traditional CPAs out there. Okay. First of all, my firm promotes financial literacy, number one. Okay, we're going to sit down with our clientele, whether it's monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, depending on the relationship, and to go over their financial statements on that quarterly, monthly basis, et cetera, and see what's working in the practice and not and what's not working in the practice. So hold, on, hold, hold on, hold on, stop right there. I've, you just brought something up that I have to tell you a story on. I had a guy tell me last week that a dentist just told him, a retired dentist who just retired. He just realized that his corporation doesn't pay tax. He didn't That's scary. He didn't realize it flows through to him. What a and, novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just goes to your financial literacy conversation. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no problem. I hear anything and everything. Just to supplement that, I had one of my dental clients say, can I take my um, 
dogs are depending on their tax return. I, I've well, heard I, everything, but that I, takes I, it to another level. Uh, yes, you can. Whether or not you're allowed to is a different That's a different story. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. How are my firms different? Uh, as I said, number one, we promote financial literacy. Number two, would you agree with me that most businesses are an extension for, for tax return purposes? You know, yeah. filing whether their business yeah. return, S-Corp, partnership, sole proprietor, et cetera. Yes. Okay. So what the problem in our industry is, Ross, is guess what? We just finished right now. Last week, last Tuesday, Wednesday was September 15th filing deadline. Okay. Okay. Now we have October 15th for the individual. And guess what? The books and records for all these dental practices, if you just got through September 15th, and then we're going to get through the individual on October 15th, the problem becomes is guess what? Their books and records are not up to date. Okay. So what we do differently than most of our competitors is we have a, a bookkeeping service where we provide on a monthly basis and keep the books and records up to date. So number one, they're able to make informed decisions, okay? For example, let's say if the client's looking to buy a comb beam, for example, okay? That could run 85 to 100, 125,000. They've come down in price. However, the question is, can I afford it? So we can look at the financials, number one. And more importantly, just not looking at the financials. Let's take a holistic step back and say, okay, if I want to get this comb beam, how many patients do I need to see monthly to just break even, number one? And then number two, what am I going to make seeing, let's say it's 10 patients a month, hypothetically, to finance or lease this? And then how many extra am I going to see on average? Does it make sense to buy this expensive piece of equipment? Or I like to call it a toy because these uh, practitioners love to buy these expensive pieces of equipment, especially year-end planning. You know, you hear everybody hear the buzzword for tax purposes. You could get a write-off at the end of the year. It's called the Internal Revenue Code Section 179. Have you heard of that before? Yep. Okay. You know, the vendors, you know, whether it's Henry Schein, Patterson, et cetera. Oh, you get to reduce your taxable income and thus your liability before year-end. You can write it off. Guess what? That's great, but that's not the only answer. You have to take a step back. Do you really need this piece of equipment? I don't care for cash flow purposes, it's going to save you money in the short term. But if you're not going to utilize it and break even and make money on it, I'm going to tell you to pass and pay the extra in taxes for that yeah, particular you, year. You, know, you shouldn't spend a dollar to save 40 cents. It, do, it doesn't make sense. And uh, too many people do that. It really is a financial literacy issue. So, so you talk about a good financial GPS, you know, you know, if you don't have it, you, you can lose up to 20% of your top revenue. What do you mean when you say financial GPS? Okay, it's no different than a GPS on your navigation system in your car, okay? And what do I mean by that? Are you on course or off course? You should be having benchmarks, okay? Uh, your, your, your budget versus your actual for, we're in tax year 2021. Have we, are we on course or off course? You know, tax year 2020 was a black swan with COVID-19, with COVID-19, okay? So a lot of my practices obviously veered off course. There was a lot of stimulus money out there from uh, the HHS money to the PPP1, the PPP2, the idle loans, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of my clients were off course and then got back on course. 
And you want to monitor that. And let me give you another example. Okay. Let's say if you're averaging uh, on your, your net collections, okay, from your gross production monthly to your net collection, say it's about $125,000 a month. Okay. And let's say you're averaging 125. And let's say the following month, you do 175. Okay. What are you doing differently in the practice to have generated that extra $50,000? And you, if you could figure that out, can I replicate that going forward? Number one. And number two, conversely, if my revenue dropped from 125,000 on an average to say 75,000, what caused that event? Okay. Was it a one-time event such as COVID-19 or what happened? Did I have broken appointments, et cetera? So you want to really get under the hood and do this analysis. Okay. You want to see what your hygiene, how many broken appointments I said, what your hygiene's producing per hour, what the doctor's producing per hour, break out your revenue streams by procedure code, your insurance by procedure code to see which insurances are maximizing what you get the best bang for the buck, and you advertise accordingly. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting. You have to be a student of the numbers. You know, it's like you really have to fit you, you've got to, and this is the challenge working on the business instead of in the business. You've got to be able to look at your financials and figure out what's going on, why it's going on, and do that. So you host webinars um, for the for the business of dentistry. What would someone who attends your webinar expect to learn? Again, you know, I'm going to say promoting financial literacy. There's no management without measurement of your numbers. Okay, I'm a numbers guy, and that goes for any business owner today. And what I find, not only the successful dental owners. It's all business owners. If they understand their numbers, they're very successful, okay? I could ask some of my dental clients that, that I've promoted financial literacy and they've embraced it and over the years have gone on the journey with me. They get it and, and they're hitting their bottom line, maximizing the profit or bottom line. That's the most important thing. I don't care what you bring in. It's what you net, okay? Number one. And number two, What's your biggest expenses for a GP practice? There's two to three expenses that, that are the most expensive. Dental supplies, labs, and labor. If you can't keep, and I'm going to say your labor, if you can't keep your labor under control, you're not going to be profitable. Labor for GP practice, you got to know the benchmarks average about 24 to 20%, 27% of net collections, along with your dental supplies and labs, about 14 to 17%. Right there, that's 50% of your overhead. And labor in today's market is going up. It's scary what's going on right now. And, and this is an industry-wide and nationwide problem. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. To get good, reliable, qualified people today is just very difficult, number one. Number two, you're competing with the federal government with unemployment benefits since COVID. Number three, the young labor force, in, you know, through my professional advice and opinion is, it's an entitled mentality. So, you know, we have to adapt and adjust to this changing world we live in, especially since COVID-19. It only exasperated or accelerated this process. And most important of all, you know, the government's saying there's no inflation. I'm going to beg to differ. The biggest precursor inflation is wage inflation. And guess what? That's across every industry right now. now inflation is real. I mean, it's real. If you don't eat at all, and you don't uh, travel in any way, shape, or form, or you only ride a bicycle, then there is no inflation. But last I checked, we all drive, ride a train, ride a bus, fly airplanes, and we all eat. So the inflation is real. And, you know, 
that's another topic for another day. Um, you know, and one last thing to supplement that, you go into the supermarket, you look at your cereal boxes, they, they've gotten smaller and smaller in your well, canned goods. It's called shrinkflation. Same price, yep. smaller box. And so, you know, it's challenging. Um, it's very, very challenging. So in your time working with dentists, what kind of complexities do you see that are uniquely uh, faced by dentists? Like what are the unique challenges they face as a dentist? That Because like you said earlier, a dental practice is a small business. It's just in the healthcare industry and it's, it's a little bit of a unique animal. But what are the challenges that, and complexities they face? We sort of spoke about that, but I think it starts and ends again. It's this practice of dentistry versus the business of dentistry. And let's take a step back. Why do we all wake up in the morning, whether you're a di- practicing dentist or you do something else for a living? What are two reasons? What's the two least common denominators why we work? You work for two reasons. Typically, it's to earn a living and it's for meaning. That's right. Quality of life and income. Okay. Your definition of quality of life and my definition of quality of life are two different things. And not only quality of life outside the practice, but inside the practice, because where do you spend most of your waking time? Working in the practice. Agreed? Mm-hmm. So the biggest challenge is, as we said before, you come out of dental school, then residency. Okay. We're all great clinicians at what we do. However, the problem becomes Okay, now I have to run my business. I have to advertise. I have to bring in patients, billing, staffing, collecting. And we alluded to before the staffing. Guess what? I hate to say it. That's the biggest issue. Everybody comes with problems to work. Okay. I like to call it that you try to empty your cup and we're human beings, meaning empty your cup, get rid of your problems. But at the end of the day, we're human beings and we have emotions. So really, you have to become a psychiatrist at what you do and babysit your clientele, your, your employees, I should say, and make sure that the, everything's okay on a personal front as well. And then the other big issue is, guess what? As the business owner or the dentist, it's lonely at the top. You have nobody else to speak to. Everybody's relying on you. Who could be your confidential sounding board? And typically, my clientele, I become the confidential sounding board. I know everything and anything about my dentist dentist practices along with their personal lives, et cetera. It's crazy. No, I I mean, I can imagine. I mean, you're their CPA, their advisor, their shrink. It's uh, the CPA is the most trusted advisor. So we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges they and mistakes they have, like not being financially literate, not really looking at the numbers, not keeping costs under control. What do you, let's talk personal for a second. What kind of mistakes do you see Dentist personal financial mistakes do you see dentists often make? The biggest mistake is not listening to your professional team. Okay. That goes for the healthcare financial advisor, the healthcare CPA, the healthcare attorney, the healthcare real estate broker. Listen to them. You're paying them and everybody's got your best interest. I tell my clients we should take a holistic approach and use the advisors advisors and collaborate together and not work in silos, number one. Okay. Number two is you have to plan for the unexpected or the contingencies. Okay. The reality of the world we live in today, there's death, there's disability, there's divorce, there's COVID-19, etc. And what I tell my clients that's a macro level. On a micro level, I tell my clients every day to factor about 25 to 30% of their day for unexpected contingencies, whether it's patient or employee problems. And you know what? That goes for my business 
and any other business, you know, there's always issues that come up. You know, my my patients or my clients' emergency becomes my crisis, and yeah, I try to avoid that. It's interesting because I, I I like to say we live in a world where crap happens. Negative life events will happen to you. The question is, how bad are they, and how bad, uh, how well protected are you? So uh, it could be a, something as as minor, if you will, as a car accident where no one's hurt. But I know, you know, I've got clients who are on, who are who are disabled. They're on disability claim. I've got clients who've died, you know, and you and I could probably tell war stories for another hour about mistakes that happened that clients were not prepared for uh, because life is busy and you've got to be very proactive to get stuff done to make sure you're protected because the curveball is coming. How how prepared for you are you? How prepared for it are you? That, that's the key. And I like to say to my clients, there's controllable variables in life and uncontrollable variables in life. If you at least take care of the controllable variables, have your ducks in a row, have a will, have a trust, plan out your financial needs, one, three, five years, et cetera. Those are the controllable variables and your odds are stacked in your favor if you have a life event or uncontrollable variable, such as a disability, a divorce, et cetera. But if you don't take care of that part of the equation, you're just making life that much more difficult for yourself and your practice. Yeah. You know, I like to tell people that, you know, the headaches that you deal with as a business owner, there's got to be some value in owning a business for you to put up with the headaches you do. Obviously, there is. Owning a business is one of the best ways to create wealth in this country. But what what I find is Parkinson's law, Parkinson's law says expenses rise to meet income. And what I find is the majority of people spend a majority of their money and they, they're not the best at saving and they think they're going to make whatever they're making forever. And once again, that's not how life works. So I'm a big proponent of saving money. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times a majority of a person's wealth is in a qualified plan, a retirement plan. And, and I believe in tax diversification. You know, you want money. You don't want it all on a tax deferred account because you and I know what that means. But uh, what do you see with your clients about their ability to manage the overflow of finances if the financial success comes? Again, you could not have said it more correct and eloquently is, you know, I tell my clients, you got to live on a budget, number one. And number two, you got to pay yourself first because there's always going to be an extra expense. And, you know, it's funny, but not funny. You look at COVID-19 last year, okay? I looked at that as not only a health pandemic, but it was an economic pandemic, okay? I have clients making a million dollars over a million year to a couple hundred thousand and somewhere in between. And guess what? They're making a million, they're spending 1.2, okay? It's a lifestyle. So guess what? All my clients break the broke the basic rule or tenant of keeping a six month to 12 month safety net on a business and personal level. So I got to see clients really rear their ugly head during this COVID-19 until the, the purse strings of PPP1, et cetera, and the idle loans came out because people were really desperate. Desperate times, you see desperate things being done. I couldn't believe how people behave and acted, but that's really life. And again, it goes back to having your controllable and uncontrollable variables and listening to your professional team, such as yourself. It's really a big deal um, to make sure you have you know competent and highly skilled advisors around you. Uh, you know, it's interesting. In all my, I work with a lot of dentists like you do, and 
the, the dental industry is, is, is kind of unique or kind of weird because I find a lot of people, uh, they may have bought a financial product for somebody. Maybe it was a disability policy. Maybe it was a term life policy, whatever. Or maybe it was a practice simple or a practice 401k. But they, they tend to, most of them, in my experience, haven't had a lot of experience with a good quality kind of macro holistic planning advisor. They usually have three or four people that they have a slight relationship with because they, they bought something from them. But there's no one in their world doing kind of holistic planning or macro planning, looking at everything all together. Is that your experience too? It is. And that's why I say it's very important not to have your professionals work in a silo, number one, work number two, collaboratively. And more importantly, your professional team better be reaching out to you regularly and vice versa. It's not a one-way street that leads to a dead end. You need to be proactive, meaning the, the practice owner as well, and utilize it and pay for what you get and build a long-term, short, medium, long-term game plan. And remember, nothing's static. What was working six months ago, you may have to change because this is the world we live in. It's so fast-paced and ever-changing. Well, that's a good point. I I do feel like, you know, the best long-term plan is a series of well-executed short-term plans because uh, life changes uh, typically every two to three years. There is a substantial life change in people's lives whether that's kids, whether that's kids in the college, whether that's divorces, whether that's marriages, whether that's income increases, tax law changes, which by the way, that might be coming for a lot of our clients. So it's really interesting. Well, I could talk to you for hours, but I want to finish up with two questions, non-dental questions. So, well, one kind of dental. What, what advice would you give to a new dental school graduate? That's a great question. I do a lot of... Um practice transition as well. I have a lot of my clients right now, young dentists out, you know, out of residency. New York requires a one-year residence looking to start a practice or acquire practice. The first advice I give them is don't rush into buying a practice, okay? I like to call earn while you learn for the first couple of years. If you have the opportunity to work at multiple practitioners' offices, whether you're a 1099 uh, NEC contractor or a W-2, I like to get, I tell them to get a feel of lay of the land and bodybuild and sculpture what you envision your practice to be, okay? Because what you think you want when you come out of residency or school, depending where you're located is, you're going to change your mind more likely than not. So earn while you learn, get the experience and the intellectual capital. That, that That's number one. Number two, manage be proactive and manage your, your, your financial future, okay, personally and professionally. It's no different, I like to say, I tell my dentist, you had a game plan to get into dental school, okay? You had to go with a, with a major in sciences, then you had to take your boards, et cetera, apply to school. Guess what? This is no different in real life now. You have to have a strategic action plan and set up a one, three, five-year plan personally, professionally, and, and stick to that and see what's working and not working as things change so rapidly, as we said, and need to reevaluate and be flexible and take care and manage your student debt. Th- those are some of the top tidbits of information I like to give my new young dentist coming out of residency or school. That's great advice. So last question. I'm a big reader. 
Are you a reader? If you are, what have you read recently? What would what what's good books have you been looking at? A good book is. Did you ever hear of the E Myth Revisited? Yes. By Michael Gerber. Yes. Okay, that really is a great reading. I tell all my clients, especially my dental clientele, if you're looking to start a business or a practice, read that. Okay, because again, anybody that comes out, whether you're an attorney, accountant, doctor, dentist financial planner, all clinicians or technicians were experts at what we do. And as you and I discussed before, running a business, you know, advertising, bringing business, collecting, staffing issues, that's the most complex issues of all. And, and teach them how to do that and promote financial literacy. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's fantastic advice. So Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Okay, there, there's several ways. You could reach me directly on my uh, phone number at 516, area code 516-472-2631. And I could be reached at Mark at Mark Balog CPA, M-A-R-K at M-A-R-K-B-A-L-O-G-C-P-A.com. And I have a website, www.MarkMARKBALOG.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and guys, this is this is one of the few CPAs out there that actually does proactive tax planning. So a conversation with Mark is definitely something that people should consider. Uh, Mark, it's been fascinating talking to you today. It's been a pleasure meeting you as you and I talked even beforehand. I got to know each other a little bit. This has been great. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Look forward to chatting and working again. Thanks. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. Thanks again, and be sure to subscribe and listen more. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1613932. 2021 1195.35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021. 119535 expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRASIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York.
Network. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1613932. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2021128000. Expiration 1023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.